first looking through and deciding where to go uh, we were in judges of course and ended with Samson and uh, Ruth is a great book uh, I think we do a really good job of teaching the book of Ruth um, as a whole so I decided to skip over it for now might come back to it at some point um, but I feel like of all the things that I think of as a kid and stories that I've heard um, th through Sunday schools and things like that, I feel like Ruth has always done really well. Um, and I don't know if that's because it's, uh, um, it's great stuff, but easy to understand or easy to teach. I'm not sure. Anyways, well, we might come back to it or might spend another, another month on it uh, some, sometime else. But we're going to jump over to Samuel. Today we're going to look at the birth of Samuel. And then next week we're going to look at the story that I really wanted to do I just felt like we needed to start with the birth, um, but uh, I love the story of Samuel and God speaking to Samuel, and um, uh, I think that we take some good, some good and fun liberties with that story sometimes, so we'll look at that next week. Um, but uh, nonetheless, let's look first here, though, at 1 Samuel chapter 1, and uh, we see this story of Hannah and her desire to have a son. And, uh, and there's a couple things thrown in here that are just really intriguing, I think, in this story. Starting in one, verse 1, there was a certain man of uh, Ramathaim, uh, Zophim, of Mount Ephraim, and his name was Elkanah, the son of Jer uh, Jeroham, the son of Elihu, the son of Tohu, the son of Zuf, uh, and Ephrite, Ephrahite, Ephratite, Ephrathite. And he had two wives, and the name of the one was Hannah, and the name of the other was Panina. And Panina had children, and Hannah had no children. I find it interesting <clears throat> to watch how God chooses sometimes to word some things. There are times where uh, God, in his inspiration of Scripture, is, um, sounds so deep and philosophical. There are times where you can see the compassion in God through the terminology and the words used. And there are other times in Scripture where God is just blunt. And um, this is, uh, in my opinion, this story is one of those. where, And I think we see it more in the Old Testament. But just the bluntness, here's the facts. Um, and, uh, and, and just the way, I don't know, maybe it's the way I read it. But I come across and I see some things and it's just like, uh, there's nothing harsh about it. It's just Panina had children, but Hannah had no children. And you can tell from verse number two, kind of, if you've never read the Bible before, I think you get the idea in verse number two of, of what's to come. That's going to be an important part of the puzzle um, that we see here, that you've got two women, the husband of, of the one, or the wives of one husband, and there's going to be conflict already, you know, because one had children and one did not have children. And in verse number three, this man went up out of the city yearly to worship and to sacrifice unto the Lord of hosts in Shiloh and the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, the priests of the Lord were there. So we have the scene is set for us. You've got the husband, you've got his two wives, and they are going to worship. 
And, uh, and, and so we see the conflict starting to build, though. Verse number four. And when the time was uh, that Elkanah offered, he gave to Panenna uh, his wife and to all her sons and her daughters portions. So he divvied up for them to have. And it says in verse number five that Hannah, <clears throat> excuse me, but unto Hannah he gave a worthy portion, for he loved Hannah, but the Lord had shut up her womb. So we see again, the conflict is going to build here. Why? Well, uh, Panina, he gave, she gave Elkanah children. Hannah did not. But like what we've seen with some parents and their children in the Old Testament, we see there is a favorite. And we see that there is a love for Hannah. It does not say that he did not love Panina. It says that he loved Hannah. So we understand here, and what we're going to learn about Akana is that, um, is that he has a, uh, a true and sincere and um, uh, just heavy love of Hannah. Bless you. My goodness, that's like our world record. Congratulations. Okay. Hey, I, minus 13. 13 in a row. That was only like six. So you got, you got a ways to go, sister. Um, I'm sorry. Uh, so uh, what we see here is a, is a true love. We don't, and to me, in the Old Testament, that love between a husband and a wife doesn't come through as much. There's a few occasions where it does. I think with Sarah, you see it um, especially. But here you, it, is, it is told to us, and he's going to tell Hannah in a moment that he loves her a lot, and she should notice that. Um, but, but there is a love here uh, that seems to be kind of unique in the way that marriages were arranged and things like that back in these days. And, uh, and Elkanah and, and Hannah were truly in love. But it says that even though he loved Hannah, the Lord had shut up her womb. And so it's, it's a reminder in terminology that God is in control of it. Now, in this verse, it sounds like a negative, that God shut up her womb. But the reminder is not that God shut up her womb. It's that God is capable and able to open and to shut. God is the miracle maker. Yes, scientifically, it takes a man and a woman. Biblically, it takes God. We see it with Mary. It takes God. But it's not just with Mary and the miraculous conception and the miraculous birth of Christ. No, it's every single child is a gift from God. Hannah had a desire for that gift. And God had not given it to her yet. It didn't change the way that her husband felt about her. Even though she was not able to give him children at this time, it did, he didn't throw her off and get rid of her. No, he loved her. And because he loved her, he encouraged her, tried to at the very least, encourage her as well. But look at verse number six. The conflict is still there. Her adversary also provoked her sore for to make her fret because the Lord had shut up her womb. We see here this, this uh, attack on Hannah and this constant just um, emotional uh, beatdown, uh, the feeling less than. The feeling unworthy, the feeling of uselessness. Because the reality is, right, a lot of women, probably even so today, but especially back then, if they could not have children, they, they were meant to feel, they, they were made to feel, excuse me, useless. 
And, and they did feel that way. Uh, heartbroken, uh, yes. Wanting a child, yes. But society looked down on them. And so Hannah was under a lot of emotional stress and pressure. And in verse number 7, And as he did so year by year, when she went up to the house of the Lord, so she provoked her, therefore she wept and did not eat. So she's got this uh, co-wife. I don't know if that's what you can call her. Um, she's got this other lady here, and she is not being helpful. Um, and, and every year this, this became an issue for sure. And uh, she provoked her, and Hannah wept, and she did not eat. Now, um, I don't have uh, uh, an issue with eating. Uh, I do eat. I eat on a regular basis. Um, and, and so I've never understood people who are like, well, I'm not going to eat because I'm mad or I'm sad or whatever. Like, if I'm mad, I want to eat. If I'm sad, I want to eat. If I'm happy, I want to eat. Um, you know, that's me, uh, and I know that's not everybody but she was so emotionally distraught that not only did she cry, she refused to eat. So then we see verse number 8. We see this husband again doing his part. He, he's a good husband. It says, Then said Elkanah, uh, her husband, or Hannah, why weepest thou? Now, I've, <laughs> I've heard this read many different times from many different people. Um, and, and sometimes you sense a, a husband, husbandly frustration here. Um, you know, why are you crying again? Uh, I don't think that's it. I think it's very compassionate. Um, Hannah, why weepest thou, and why eatest thou not, and why is thy heart grieved? And his reasoning behind why she should not be is she, he says, I am better than ten sons. I should be. And he asked the question, am I not better to thee than ten sons? He's saying, I'm giving you everything that you can possibly want, Everything that you need, I love you so much. And he's trying to make her feel better. He's saying, you don't need ten sons because I'm going to take care of you. Sometimes I look at this and I realize or consider at the very least um, how God looks at us when we don't get what we want and, uh, and we're not happy or satisfied with the things in our life. It's not to say that we can't ask for things and we're supposed to ask for things but where God looks down and says I'm I'm more to you I'm better to you than anything that you can possess you need to comprehend how good you got it now God is far gooder <laughs> it's not a word uh, than Elkanah but he's looking at his wife and he's saying I'm doing everything uh, I mean he didn't say it here but you're my favorite I love you you're the one I choose. He said, why are you crying? Why are you so emotionally distraught? Why have you stopped eating? Like, I know you don't have children, but I'm being good to you. Do you not, are you not grateful? And so Hannah prays. Well, first of all, verse number five matches up with verse number eight, right? Um, where he gave Hannah the wor a worthy portion and he loved Hannah. Uh, and it just shows up here in verse number 8. But in verse number 9, Hannah turns to prayer. And she rose up after they had eaten in Shiloh, and after they had drunk. Now Eli the priest sat upon a seat by a post of the temple of the Lord. And she was in bitterness of soul, and prayed unto the Lord, and wept sore. Bitterness of soul is the same terminology we see in Naomi in Ruth 1, where uh, she says, call me Mara. 
Um, it's the same thing, same idea. It's an emotional bitterness. It's a, um, it's a heavy bitterness. We see it multiple times in Job, um, in the, the latter parts of Job. Uh, we see it in Isaiah. We see it in Lamentations, this idea of uh, emotionally, inside-out bitter. Um, it's not just an outward countenance. It's, not just, it's a deep-rooted hurt that is there. And, you know, I know we skipped through the book of Ruth already, but Naomi, she, she had lost her husband, she'd lost her sons, and now she's got these two daughter-in-laws and this one that won't leave her alone and well, all this kind of stuff. Naomi, she goes at a point in her life where she said, I just, everything has gone wrong that can go wrong. And I'm just tired of that. And she was starting to shut down. And Hannah was this way. She was, she was emotionally distraught. And just bitter in the soul at the deepest roots of it all. And she prayed and she cried. And I believe that it's fair to say, and please, uh, I, this is my opinion again, but I think it's fair to say that there was anger there for Hannah. I think she was angry at uh, Panina. I think she was probably a little, if not angry, uh, questioning God. Uh, I think she was hurt. She was hurt. Uh, again, by Panina, and I think she was hurt by um, the fact that she could not have children. This, this was painful for her. And she gives her desire to God in verse number 11. She vowed a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if thou wilt indeed look on the affliction of thine handmaid and remember me and not forget thine handmaid, but will give unto thine handmaid a man-child, then I will give him unto the Lord all the days of his life, and there shall no razor come upon his head. Now listen. Her desire is not to have a child. Her desire is to have a boy. And I find it interesting. Um, you know, in today's day and time, it doesn't mean as much um, as far as what gender child you have. There was a day where the lineage was so important and so crucial. And I think at the heart of some many people, they still desire to have that name carried on and and all of those kinds of things. But back then, it, would, it meant different societally than it does today. And, uh, and her desire was not just to have a kid. It wasn't just, Lord, open my womb. She said, Lord, if you'll give me a, a man-child, I'm going to give him right back to you. And we see here this, this clear and precise request from Hannah. In verse number 12, though, we see that as she was praying, there was an outward um, emotion to it. Verse number 12, it came to pass that she continued praying before the Lord, and Eli marked her mouth. Now Hannah, she spake in her heart, only her lips moved, but her voice was not heard. Therefore, Eli thought she had been drunken. Now, if you know anything about um, Hophni and Phinehas, the sons of, of uh, Eli, then you, can, you know that he's seen drunkenness before. And, of course, he's seen it within people that would come in as well. Um, but he looks and he sees Hannah praying, and he sees her mouth moving. He sees her crying, uh, but there's no words coming out of her mouth. And so he assumes that she's drunk. And he comes over to her in verse number 14, and he says, How long wilt thou be drunken? Put away thy wine from thee. He's, he's admonishing her. He's saying, what is wrong with you coming in here drunken? Stop drinking. Put away the wine. <laughs> and we see Hannah, she says, I'm not drunk. 
She says, I'm a woman of sorrowful spirit, verse 15. I have drunk neither wine nor strong drink, but I've poured out my soul before the Lord. Now, in verse number 9, the rest of the family that came here, they had eaten and they had drunk and they had come. That doesn't say that they, are, they were drunk, but I'm saying that they, had, they were filled and they come in. Hannah had not at this point. She still had not eaten. And so she says, I'm just incredibly sorrowful. And I've poured out my soul before the Lord. There are a few things um, that are undescribable. But if you've ever poured your soul out to the Lord, you know what it is. Um, if you've ever been so down and so hard, uh, uh, hurt or so um, emotionally distraught where you just stopped everything you were doing and just poured it all out to God, you know exactly what it feels like. And that's what Hannah did. And she says in verse number 16, Count not the handmaid for a daughter of Belial, for out of the abundance of my complaint and grief have I spoken hitherto. She's trying to clear her name to Eli. And Eli's response in verse number 17 is intriguing to me. Eli answered and said, Go in peace, and the God of Israel grant thee thy petition that thou hast asked of him. He says, God's going to answer your prayer. Stop crying. And Go. Have your peace restored. Have your joy restored. God is going to answer your prayer. And verse 18, her, everything changed for her at that moment. She said, let that handmaid find grace in thy sight. So the woman went her way and did eat, and her countenance was no more sad. Now at this point, was she pregnant? No. <laughs> at this point, she had poured out her soul to God, and the, the man of God, Eli, said, go your way. God's going to grant your desire. Now, we don't read about Eli having a conversation with God. I don't know, I, I don't know if Eli was told. I don't know if, if it was just the power that Eli had from God. I, I don't know exactly how all this works. But Eli said, go your way. Now, listen, I'm a pastor. I'm not a prophet um, or a priest or anything like that. But um, I, I've never told someone, guaranteed, God's going to answer that. Um, I have told people to have faith that God will answer it and that God can answer it. And, but I, I've, never, I've never been able to tell someone who comes to me and says, Pastor, i got this need, and I've been praying for it, and, and I mean, we're in desperate situations, and I just said, hey, you're good. Go your way. God's going to answer it. <laughs> um, I've not had that insight. Um, so I've not been able to do that. Eli did in some way. He had that insight. And she goes. She's not pregnant yet. Hasn't happened yet. Um, she's just changed her attitude uh, through the words of Eli and the, the encouragement of Eli through, I believe, her prayer. I think, I think it's even less about Eli, honestly, than again, my opinion, it's less about Eli saying your, your, your petition is going to be granted as it was her being able just to unload on God and lay it all at his feet. But in verse number 19, they rose up in the morning early and worshiped before the Lord and returned and came to their house uh, to Ramah and Elkanah, knew Hannah, his wife, and the Lord remembered her. Go back to verse number 11. She vowed a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if thou wilt indeed look on the affliction of thine handmaid and... Remember me. And God uses in Scripture for us to read the same terminology that she prayed. 
God answered her prayer just as she prayed it. And God remembered her. Wherefore it came to pass, uh, when the time uh, was come about Hannah had conceived, that she bare a son and called his name Samuel, saying, Because I have asked him of the Lord. The prayer was answered just as Hannah prayed it. Now listen, God, I've told you this, you know this, you've seen it in your own life. God doesn't always answer it exactly the way that we prayed it. Um, my goodness, this church is a living example of that. Nothing in this church has gone the way that I, exactly that I prayed for it to happen. None of it. It's all been good. It's all been better than I prayed for it. I'm not complaining about it. I'm just telling you, it's not the way it always works. But it's a reminder to us that God hears when we pray. And he cares. And if it is of good and it is of the Lord's will, it will be answered as we prayed it. And she prayed and she said, remember me. And give unto me a man child. And we're told here that God in verse number 19 remembered her. And in verse number 20, she bare a son. And she called his name Samuel. We see this vow that she made in verse number 11. She didn't forget that either. Verse number 21, and uh, the man Elkanah uh, and his, all his house went up to offer unto the Lord the yearly sacrifice in his vow. But Hannah went not up, for she said unto her husband, I will not go up until the child be weaned, uh, and then I will bring him that he may appear before the Lord and there abide forever. Now, in this uh, feast or in this uh, uh, worshiping time, it is the man, that I, the way that I understand it, that is the one that's supposed to go. So the wives don't have to go in this situation. And so this was not a refusal or a rebellion or anything like that. Um, but uh, Hannah said, I need to wait until he's weaned, and then I will bring him, and then uh, he'll live there forever. And, uh, and Elkanah was fine with that. He said, do what seemeth uh, thee good in verse number 23. In verse number 24, uh, when she had weaned him, she took him up with her uh, with three bullocks and one ephah, a flower, and a bottle of wine, and brought him unto the house of the Lord in Shiloh. And the child was young, and they slew a bullock and brought a child to Eli, uh, and brought the child to Eli, and she said, O my Lord, as thy soul liveth, my Lord, I am the woman that stood by thee here, praying unto the Lord. For this child I prayed, and the Lord hath given me thy petition, my petition, which I asked of him. Therefore also I have lent him to the Lord, as long as he liveth, and shall be lent to the Lord. And he worshipped the Lord there. And we see this bringing of Samuel back, giving him as she had vowed to do, um, and, uh, and, and it's a wonderful story of, uh, as well, not just a reminder of prayer and the power of it, not just a reminder of God's answering of prayer, uh, but the reminder here that, um, the gifts from God are to be given back to him. Now, thankfully we don't do worship the same way they did back in the old Testament because I do not want your kids living here, but, um, <laughs> that being said, uh, we just see this wonderful uh, reminder of, hey, it's God's. Every good gift is from the Lord, um, and it's the Lord's. Um, we're not going to take the time to read it, but in chapter 2, verses 1 through 10, Hannah sings a song. Um, she wrote a song, and she sang a song uh, about it. She prayed, and God gave. And it's a song of praise to the Lord uh, about uh, the gift that God had given to her. Um, and what's interesting is, is we go from, we're not going to look at it today, but we go from Samuel, this, this child that uh, was a true miracle. God opened the womb 
and, and was born and given back to the church to serve, not back to the church, but back to God to serve. And, uh, and then the next story, it immediately transitions. Go down to verse number 11. Elkanah went to Ramah to his house, and the child did minister unto the Lord before Eli the priest. Verse number 12, now the sons of Eli were the sons of Belial, and they knew not the Lord. How important was Samuel at this time? He was mighty important because Eli's sons were wicked. And they didn't belong there. And Samuel was used of God in a mighty way. We'll look at Samuel's um, uh, calling, so to say, uh, next week. Um, we, we might take some time to look at Eli's sons as well. Um, it's just a, an incredibly sad story. Um, but, uh, uh, but the story of Samuel in the temple is a phenomenal story. So we'll, we'll, touch, we'll definitely hit on Samuel uh, in the calling. We may look at uh, um, Hobni and Phineas as well next week. Uh, but we'll spend a few more weeks on Samuel uh, as well. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for your answers to prayer. Thank you for your listening and your hearing our calls and, and your concern about our, our concerns. Um, and Lord, I pray that we'd be faithful. And I pray that we'd be faithful to pray and seek you and and uh, Lord, I pray that we would understand the gifts that we have in our homes. Um, Lord, that we would treasure them. And uh, Lord, that we'd seek your help with them as well. Um, so guide our steps, Lord. Um, encourage and help us this week, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.